We once thought that we ruled our lives with our heads. Well, we do, but we possibly never thought the gut uh, would start being referred to as the second brain. And now we've all become acquainted with the microbiome in the gut and how important it is to feed it and nurture its well-being. And just as that idea has settled into our heads, something else in our heads has a very important microbiome. We're going to discuss oral health with science writer Jasmine Fox-Skelly, who contributes mainly to the BBC and New Scientist. And it's her research for New Scientist that we want to concentrate on. Good morning, Jasmine. Good evening to you. Uh, Good evening. Nice to meet you. Nice to have you on. There is a lot living in our mouths, even when our mouths aren't full. Our mouths are full, actually, Jasmine. Yeah, absolutely. They're full of um, what we call the oral microbiome. So that's fungi, viruses, and about 700 different species of bacteria that live in our mouths. 700. I think most of yeah. us I think most of us now have a good idea, you know, even if it's vague, that oral health is not only vital for the mouth, but uh, for the body above and below the mouth as well. Can you tell us just how important, Jasmine, first of all, just to set the scene? Yeah, well, obviously it's important for our oral health. You know, we want to avoid cavities and having gum disease and losing teeth, but it's also it seems really linked to lots of other conditions around the body. So things like inflammatory conditions, heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's disease, arthritis, diabetes, all of these have been linked to the type of bacteria living in your mouths. And that's a long list. We knew more than a century ago, didn't we? Or we guessed, some people guessed, that bad bacteria could travel from the mouth through the body, that tooth infections might give you arthritis, for example, or exacerbate it. So tell us what happened closer to our time in 1989 in Finland, if you would, the eureka moment for a doctor at Helsinki University Hospital. Yeah, so it was a team of scientists at that hospital um, working as doctors, and they conducted a study. Essentially, they compared 100 people who attended the emergency department following a heart attack with 100 controls, like with people who were a similar age, for example. And they found that the oral health of people who'd had a heart attack was about twice as poor as that of the control group. And that was even taking into account things like age and social class and smoking habits. And by poor dental health, we mean kind of like they had more cavities, they had um, signs of gum disease. Um, They were rated by dentists as having oral health twice as poor as controls. So that was like the start of it, really. And I'll get back to the heart. But people with gum disease, for example, again, are more prone to cancer as well. We know that now. Yeah, so I think studies have found that people with gum disease are about 20% more likely to get cancer in their lifetimes compared with otherwise healthy people. And the risk is different for different cancers. You know, I've read studies that have found that people with gum disease, they have a higher risk of Breast cancer, oral cancer, esophageal cancer, lung cancers, all of those things. And we know it's causal rather than just an association? Well, obviously, when one thing goes up against another and there's a correlation, it doesn't necessarily mean that one causes the other. Mm. Um, But scientists are increasingly thinking that your oral bacteria do have a causal role in at least some of these conditions. 
How much is now known about the link between oral and mental health with Alzheimer's, of course, front and centre here? Yeah, well, we've known for a while that um, people with gum disease are they're at an increased risk of developing Alzheimer's. Um, but then again, you know, people with advanced dementia, they might also be less able to look after their teeth. So it was mm. unclear which was coming first. But um, scientists have actually found bacteria that cause all the bacteria that cause gum disease living inside the brains of people who died of Alzheimer's disease. Um, so that suggests that the oral bacteria have travelled from the mouth through the bloodstream and they've got into the brain. And then they've also found these special molecules called gingipans, which are special enzymes produced by one of the main bacteria that causes oral um, periodontal gum disease, essentially. And they found that in the hippocampus, which is a region of the brain responsible for memory. Um, and then at the same time, you can experimentally give mice gum disease and those mice that are given gum disease, they have buildups of the this plaque called beta amyloid in the brain. And that has been known for a long time to be a hallmark of Alzheimer's disease. So it's clear that it's more than just an association. There is, I believe this oral bacteria are playing a role in the development of this disease, whether it's causing the disease or whether it's making the disease worse. Yeah, it was interesting about the mice and the beta amyloid plaques. I saw that. I also saw a quote, uh, not your own, but you quoted it. And speaking of looking after our teeth, the quote is, the teeth are the weakest link of the body. How are they, please? Well, I mean... The mouth is obviously one of the few places um, where the inside of our body meets and interacts with the outside environment. So that makes it um, a place where we you know we face lots of challenges from bacteria. And it's also kind of special because it's the only place where you know we have the teeth. Or the, these are hard structures. And around every single tooth, we have um, a soft structure, which is the gums. And where those two things meet, where the teeth meet the gums, there's a tiny little gap and it's called a sulcus. And in a person who has healthy teeth and gums, this gap's small. But if you don't brush properly, bacteria can kind of build up in this area. They can cause inflammation. And this inflammation causes this little gap to become bigger, like to form a pocket. And then that, in turn, that creates kind of a perfect home for harmful bacteria to hide out, and they multiply, and then... You know, if you, at the same time you have bleeding gums, these microbes can get into your bloodstream where they could potentially travel around your body. It's funny how we kind of know this and also kind of don't, uh, Jasmine, isn't it? Uh, a, a fascinating area. Uh, bacteria, you would think, have their work cut out surviving long enough in, in the bloodstream to get into the brain and, to, uh, and other organs to do damage. How do we think they're doing that? Yeah, well, it's true, you know, bacteria just freely in your blood, they'd be set upon straight away by your immune system and killed fairly quickly. Um, and we don't know exactly how they survive because they have been found, you know, we found all bacteria in multiple parts of the body. Um, so it's clear they are doing it, but how they're doing it isn't known. But there was a study last year that offered a clue. It was um, researchers at the Harvard School of Dental Medicine in Boston they showed that 
or bacteria could actually be kind of hitching a lift inside the body's own immune cells. So normally you have these immune cells, they're called neutrophils, and they eat up the bacteria. But these scientists found actually that all bacteria could survive being swallowed by the neutrophils and not even that. But rather than killing them, they actually hitched a lift um, rather like a sort of Trojan horse situation. They actually, these cells protected the bacteria and transported them over large distances across the body um, where they then were released. So that could be one way that they were doing it. That's reasonably amazing. <laughs> Jasmine Fox Skelly is with us. What might bacteria from our mouths be doing in and to our guts, can I ask, for the many people with you know tummy and bowel conditions like IBD, for instance? Yeah, well, I mean, normally if a healthy person, you know, you, your mouth is full of bacteria, you're swallowing bacteria all the time, um, but usually they'd just be killed, you know, in the stomach because of the acidity. Or if, even if they get to the gut, they wouldn't really be spaced for them because their gut's already full of other bacteria. But if somebody's gut has like a pre-existing problem, like they think, you know, suffers of inflammatory bowel disease do, for example, it's thought that those people, um, they already have like a sort of dysbiosis of their gut bacteria. And it might be that there's more space for them or opportunity them for mouth bugs to sort of thrive there so it might be that their gut lining is different in some way or it's some people think that the gut lining could be leaky and that could enable these all bacteria to kind of set up residence in the gut and also to get into the blood and then of, of course you know your immune system would recognize that and that would kind of drive up inf inflammation and result in the gut even attacking itself and getting back to the heart, you quote analysis showing that gum disease and tooth loss increase the risk of coronary artery disease by 24 and 36 percent, respectively. Now, again, is this causal or is it poor oral hygiene kind of enfeebling the body, promoting buildup in the arteries, weakening its, weakening its defences and so on? There is, again, there is good evidence that it is causal. I think there's good evidence that it plays a causal role. I mean, there's experiments in rodents and pigs that have been done that have shown that if you have a perfectly healthy animal, if they develop heart, they develop heart disease quickly if all bacteria colonise their coronary arteries. In other words, if you give those healthy animals all bacteria and make that bit to you know, travel to their arteries, then they quickly develop heart disease. Um, at the same time, we've found all bacteria again in the arteries of people with heart disease um so it, so i mean we can't do the same experiments in humans as we can on pigs you know we can't give humans gum disease and then wait to see if they have a heart attack um but i would say there is good evidence that it's a causal um factor but of course it's there are other contributors too i would never say this would be the only cause of it. You know, of course, we know that diet and lifestyle have massive effects on heart, on heart disease. Yes, but it could be that your heart is fine, you let your mouth decay for careless reasons, uh, and then your heart's not fine, basically. Yeah, well, I would say that there is good evidence to say that oral health is a contributory factor, but diet and exercise is, is also huge factors. Plus, of course, you've got your genetics, I don't think there's ever going to be one solitary cause. It's probably that all of these things are are kind of 
interacting and acting together to drive up inflammation. It's inflammation that is the key cause of these things. So anything that causes inflammation will make these conditions more likely. Understood. Jasmine Fox-Skelly is talking to us about the importance of oral health. We don't yet have a gum disease vaccine, do we? There is one being trialled, though. Yeah, so this is a really cool thing. It's um, scientists at the University of Melbourne in Australia. They're developing a, a vaccine against gum disease, and it works by getting the body to produce these antibodies that detect and they neutralise these proteins called gingipans, and they're produced by some oral bacteria. So the latest that I know is that it was tested in mice in 2016 and showed that it was effective at um, preventing the teeth from being degraded. And hopefully human trials will happen at some point soon. Gee. Well, in the meantime, aside from brushing and flossing, which we're always told to do, what else can people do for their oral biomes? Yeah, so brushing and flossing are really important. Um, Basic dental hygiene, you know, mouthwash might help. Regular trips to the dentist, the dental hygienist. Nothing out of the ordinary, really. Um, Just keeping on top of it. And, you know, if you develop problems, you know, gingivitis, gum disease, they're all treatable as well. And even if we do get these diseases, you know, making the symptoms more manageable. I see the pharmaceutical companies are trying to get on top. That They're offering of this problem. They're offering products, you know, that claim to replace the bad bacteria in your mouth with good ones. There are these offerings now. So I think that people are becoming much more aware uh, and will, again, thanks to you, actually. Yeah, well, I've heard of, like, dental um, probiotics. You know, you can, I think, get them as, like, lozenges and tablets maybe toothpaste or drinks and these obviously have the same these have the same aim as um, microbial transplants the aim of which is to essentially swap your bad or bacteria for good bacteria and the theory of that I think it sounds really really good I know that a few people are sort of working on developing this but in terms of these products that are sold you know there have definitely been some studies done but I'd like to see more evidence that they work, you know, good human clinical trials. Um, one question I would ask is, you know, how how long are these probiotics actually in contact with the mouth? You know, if it's a short time, would that be enough time to overthrow the bad bacteria and allow space for the good bacteria to kind of set up home? So I think that remains to be seen. But certainly the theory, I think, is really exciting. They need a long enough campaign in the mouth. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh You mentioned oral microbiome transplants. What is the story with these now? Yeah, so it's a really cool idea. The idea is that there's some people who have great oral health. And in fact, you know, the researchers that I spoke to as part of my um, digging for this story, they said that there's some people that can eat really sugary foods, they can never brush their teeth, they can never go to the dentist, and they'll never get a single cavity because for some reason they have just have great oral bacteria. So another research has shown that um, our ancestors also had really good uh, oral bacteria and they hardly had any cavities, you know, like Neanderthals or people that, you know, hunter-gatherers that lived thousands of years ago. So the idea behind the transplant would be essentially taking finding out what oral bacteria are good you know 
which have a protective role and kind of transplanting them into your mouth. So swapping your bad bacteria for good bacteria. That's the theory behind it. <laughs> they what uh, what did their teeth in in the end? Is it was it sugar and carbs? Yeah. So our ancestors or that my or microbiome shifted to like an unhealthy. Um, bad bacteria about 8,000 years ago and it occurred at about the same time that we switched our diets so it was a time when we started eating more sugary things more carb heavy things you know essentially obviously humans today we love carbs we love sugar but bacteria bad bacteria also love this food so if we're eating sugary things the bacteria that love those sugary things will which also tend to be the harmful ones they'll be drawn to us and we'll have more of them yeah well, it kind of makes sense that in the end that the front door of our bodies, and you were alluding to this, where everything we need to sustain us comes in, that our mouths would turn out to be crucial. But I'm sure there are many people, you know, who uh, you mentioned exercise, who do that and they look after themselves in most respects, but who are relatively careless about their teeth and gums, you know, brush in the morning, brush in the evening, the odd little brush poking through the gaps when a piece of meat gets stuck. But we need to up our games, don't we? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think we need to be obsessive about it. I think if you, it's likely that if you brush twice a day, you know, and brush for long enough and you floss and you regularly go to the dentist, you know, that this will be enough. These are things are quite simple and cost effective. Um, and even if you do have oral conditions, these things are treatable, you know. So it's actually really good news in that sense. It is good news in that sense. And the signs not need not be in our mouths. They can be somewhere else in the body, you know, with inflammation happening, and we can maybe tr link that back to our mouths. That's the other important takeaway, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, essentially these are all inflammatory conditions. So anything we can do to lower inflammation should make things better. And this is one great way we can do that, is looking after our mouths. Great information from you, Jasmine. Thank you so much for uh, giving us your time as well. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.